Welcome to Have You Not Read, a podcast seeking to answer questions from the text of Scripture for the honor of Christ and the edification of the saints. Before we dig into our topic, we humbly ask you to rate, review, and share the podcast. Thank you. Welcome back to Have You Not Read. I'm Dylan Hamilton, and with me are Michael Deerham, Andrew Hudson. Today, we're fielding a question about demons. Over my lifetime, I've heard a few demon encounter stories. Most of the people recounting these stories seem to believe they have actually encountered a demon and even describe in detail what it looked like or sounded like. Even with these details, I always have a hard time believing any of these stories are true. How much do demons interact with our world today? Is it possible for humans to have interactions with demons? Michael? So most of the demon stories are the ones that are sensational. So the ones that get passed around, the ones that get shared, are the ones the ones that I've heard growing up and still here today are the ones that are the most sensational. So I think that there's two things right out of the gate. One is, of course, we are promised that the devil and the demons are going to meet their everlasting fiery end in the lake of fire. Since we have not arrived at the great last day yet, we know that the demons are still active. Okay, so we can say that for sure from Scripture. We can also say that there are all manner of demonic activities going on today that don't get talked about in terms of, you know, humans being influenced by, interacting with, being affected by demons. So what we need to do is um, think about the way that the Scripture talks about it. And there are many encounters with demons where Jesus goes and throughout his ministry in Galilee and Judea, and he casts out uh, demons. And these are stories that fire the imagination, and we see very powerful radical deliverances time and again. And then we see stories like this as well in Book of Acts. And then we have more than that, though. We have descriptions of how demons are active in other ways. So do we have any stories in the scriptures? Do we have any evidence in the scriptures wherein demons are seen, wherein there is a some sort of physical, visible manifestation of them? No. No, we're, we're, not, we're not given that. We have stories wherein somebody who is demon-possessed act in ways that are not natural, that are abhorrent, that are horrifying. And then we have the deliverance, their deliverance, and often they'll, someone will convulse and come back to themselves we do have the story of the man who was running around naked in the tombs and breaking chains. And when Jesus delivered him from a legion of demons, uh, they all entered a herd of swine, ran down the hill, and died by drowning. So you have evidence, some sort of physical manifestations of the fact that demons do act, but you don't have actual visible manifestations of demons uh, in the scriptures. So, and the scriptures are normative for our, are, are regulative for our understanding, our faith, our practice, how we're going to understand what goes on in the world today. I think the one thing that uh, pops up time and again in the Bible is that the demons are deceptive. 
that they're doing the work of Satan, and the work of Satan is to steal, kill, and destroy, and to deceive, the father of lies deceives. First Timothy 4, 1 gives warning about deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. Revelation 9 talks about those who worship demons, meaning idols of gold, silver, brass, and stone, and wood, which neither see nor hear nor walk. Well, what's the power behind idols? Uh, the Bible tells us demons are the power behind idols, behind the pagan worship practices, both in terms of the deception uh, and in terms of the ensnarement and enslavement of those who engage in that. So uh, the Bible is not shy about talking about demons, but also there's not a great fixation on demon hunting, shall we say, or attributing all ills to demons, as if demons were the means of Satan's sovereignty in the lives of everyone, including Christians, wherein bad things happen Ah, this is Satan using his demons to bring bad things into our lives. Wherein Satan, everything bad and unpleasant and sorrowful and difficult in our lives is attributed, and this is a, this is a danger people fall into this trap of attributing all of that to Satan, and then they look at the particular problems they're having. Oh, it must be a demon giving Satan much too much power. Yes, it's exactly. Now, the testimony of the word is that Christ binds the strong man. He steals the possessions away from uh, the devil, that the the devil is on a short leash, a chain. He's, he can't deceive the nations like he once did. There's, you know, the gospel breaks forth, and are demons still active? Sure. Satan's still around? Sure. But we are told time and again as believers— that when we encounter various trials, difficult times, and so on, that we're to look to our Heavenly Father, who is doing His perfect work in us, that we are not to think first, or think demons first, to think devil first, but the fear of the Lord means we think of Him first, and we think of Him most, and we recognize in Christ our victory over these forces of darkness. So you talked a little bit about like the always thinking about supernatural reasons why things are happening. Is there also a tendency currently or in our quote-unquote modern age to dismiss all supernaturalism? No, absolutely. Um, so so this, is, this brings me back to my first uh, distinctive, is that when demon stories get told, it's like this, you know, fantastic, sensational kind of story. The stories that we should be telling about how demons are active in this world are the stories that we handle like on our This Week in Witchcraft sessions wherein there's there's deceiving spirits that are enslaving people with lies. Are people engaging with demons on a daily basis today? You bet. But it doesn't look like, you know, a zombie apocalypse. It it looks like people believing lies and and raging against Christ. So we had just mentioned about Legion, and I believe the term that's used here is unclean spirit in the new king james version is that synonymous with demon yes okay in first kings 22 we have the account of micaiah warning ahab and there's a prophecy that comes to ahab through his other prophets in starting in verse 19 
it goes into the scene in the heavenly realm in verse 22 talks about being a lying spirit. Is that also a synonymous term for demon? So what is it? First Kings? First Kings 22. So yeah, when we read in the new Testament and other places, um, demons are called deceiving spirits. So in this particular case, in first Kings 22, we have the story wherein God shows his sovereignty over the forces of darkness, these demons, that God has absolute sovereign rule over them, right? And orders that uh, the king would, or that the, uh, the prophets would be filled with a deceiving, lying spirit. And thus, this was a form of judgment against the king whom the Lord has obviously identified as his enemy, right? So we have, we have in the scripture the commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Why not? Because you're not at war with your neighbor, you're at peace with him. Now, in the case of Abraham saving himself and his wife from, from death and capture, they're not going to tell the truth to Pharaoh, Pharaoh ain't your neighbor. The midwives don't tell the truth to Pharaoh, Pharaoh is not their neighbor. Rahab does not tell, this is interesting, Rahab does not tell the truth to her fellow people in Jericho because they are no longer her neighbors because she is turned to the Lord and fearing the Lord. So what we have time and time again is that if you're at war with someone, lying to them is most likely required at some point. And God, by sending a lying spirit to these prophets whom he has already condemned and the king whom he's condemned, shows that he is at war with them. So this lying spirit, a deceiving spirit, would be, in this case, a demon. It's interesting you say that. Sun Tzu, in The Art of War, uh, I think he makes the claim that all war is deception. Yes. And that it's interesting how that kind of basic wisdom and knowledge made it that way, obviously, because Sun Tzu is not a believer, but just just kind of noting that connection there. And as I'm like flipping through... Um, all the references to demons. It seems that some of the encounters we we hear about that are sensationalized are demons separate of a vessel or separate of uh, this seemingly parasitic nature that they have because they always seem to have a host, even when cast out. Right? Yes. Even when cast out, they must they must find a new host or a new house to to invade. And so these sensationalized stories don't seem to comport with biblical stories about demons. And I'm not saying it's like, it's not the best argument for these, of uh, these sensationalized stories not being about demons, but it doesn't seem to look like the same type of characters we're dealing with in scripture as we are with the sensational stories. Right. And I'm not saying that, uh, that all the sensational stories are untrue, but I, there is a temptation to live, to, to try to fall into a mysticism wherein you know, experiences are everything. But but in fact, we're told that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that we, we are to be living our lives according to the scriptures, according to this bread of life given to us, that we are to understand the experiences we live according to the standard of God's word. And there is a temptation to to live our lives according to impressive experiences, and even to feed off the the tales of these these experiences from others 
like, oh, this is where real spirituality is. And I think that we receive warnings uh, in the scripture against that so that when the disciples come back from their tour of ministry and tell Jesus, you know, all these things that happened, including the casting out of demons, uh, he says, you know, I saw Satan fall lightning from heaven. Like, you know, this telling of stories is not the important thing. You know, come aside now. We have uh, Peter talking about the experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, but then says, but the scriptures is where we have uh, the word made sure. This is where we need to live our lives according to the word of God, not by our mountaintop experiences. So with with that caveat made, obviously um, God is free in his sovereignty to deliver people who are possessed by demons uh, in his good way, but it's about his sovereignty and his freedom and not some kind of formula or or some kind of uh, possessed, uh, controlled power wielded by some kind of sage, Christian or otherwise. To think that we can have a formula by which we can cast out demons is very foolish. Just ask the sons of Sceva. Some of that control over demons uh, has come through Jewish mysticism, uh, their attribution to Solomon as being Lord over the demons and his signet. So some of, some of that could be coming through there. Andrew, your insight is very helpful. I, the things you bring up, I have no idea that that stuff is out there. So I appreciate that. Always bring in the niche. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that about wraps us up today with the question about demon possession. What are we, what are we thankful for, Michael? I am thankful for answered prayer. I'm thankful for God showing mercy and compassion on us in his good way and his good timing. He knows best how to answer prayer, not according to my timing and my details, but according to his timing and his mercies. Andrew? I'm thankful to God for, it might sound strange, my daughter has recently switched over to having solid foods, and it's been a rough go. Um, with her using the restroom and I'm glad that that is working out and I praise the Lord. Amen. Um, I'm thankful for the deliverance that we have in Christ. Usually when we're talking about people who are demon possessed, they're enslaved people. And at one point I was enslaved, deeply enslaved to many things, including, and especially my own pride. Um, but I was delivered from that and it was Christ who did it. And I, I praise him for it. And that wraps it up for today. We are very thankful for our listeners and hope you will join us again as we meet to answer common questions and objections with Have You Not Read.